This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 299, where today we sit down with Tyler Lennig from Microsoft to talk about Graph Data Connect, recorded live April the 16th, 2019. If you could score an extra hour or two back in your day, would you take it? Because our friends over at Nintex want to give you a gift, the gift of time. Seriously, if you haven't checked out what Nintex has to offer lately, you should. The platform built on Azure has evolved a lot. In just the past few months, the Nintex team has added new process mapping capabilities, and most recently, a new e-sign capability called Nintex Sign, powered by Adobe Sign. Nintex also continues to revolutionize products you know and trust, including Nintex Workflow and Forms. With the power of Nintex, it is faster and easier for you to configure, not code, giving you valuable time back every day to spend it however you want. Test drive the Nintex Process Cloud at Nintex.com. Hello, all of our loyal listeners. This is Andrew Connell. I'm flying solo this week. Uh, We mentioned this a couple episodes ago where CJ was going to be off out of town. Uh, He's actually on a family vacation in Italy, sharing some absolutely awesome pictures from his trip. A little jealous. He got to go to the Ferrari Museum, the Ferrari factory. So uh, some really cool stuff there. Have to catch up with him on that one when he gets back. But this week, I'm flying solo, and I've got a little bit of a mix-up of an, or I also call it a mash-up, mix-up sounds bad, of an episode for you today. i got a handful of news items related to Microsoft Azure, and then I've got a special guest that I introduced or that I welcome onto the show to talk about something called the Microsoft Data Connect, uh, Graph Data Connect, and we'll come back to that in a little bit. Before we get started, though, before we dive into it, I want to cover some news And just a little bit of banter. We've had a lot of stuff that's gone on in the online space recently, in the cloud space. Got a lot of stuff that's actually happened in the news as well around the space stuff. But I'm actually going to wait until CJ gets back to talk about that. We've got you know some fun stuff about things with um, the first photograph and rendering and discovery of a uh, a real evidence of a, a black hole as well as um, the unfortunate demise of the Israeli moon lander or lunar lander that had more of a, a, a too emphatic of a landing on the moon. But we're going to talk more about that space stuff uh, a little bit when CJ returns. Uh, we're going to record episode 300 together and by the, when he gets back, we took an, a week off last week, primarily because we just, our scheduling, we kind of screwed up our scheduling. We wanted to make sure that we were together when we recorded episode 300. So in this episode, I'm going to go through some more news stuff to start with. Before we dive into this, actually, I'm curious to hear, you know, kind of what your opinion is on this. Actually, before I talk about that, let me just share with you that recently I was a a guest on another podcast, the Microsoft or M365 developer podcast on the state of the SharePoint framework. I sat down with Paul Schaefline, a fellow uh, SharePoint MVP, with, for his podcast that he co-hosts with Jeremy Thake and talked about the SharePoint framework and just my thoughts on it. And I know that, you know, a lot of the listeners of this show are probably coming from my audit, my background being a, a SharePoint person. And I know we've got a good mix of developers and administrators. I use my blog to kind of talk more about the SharePoint framework. And I also use my blog to talk about things related to Voitanos as well, my business that has a a course on the SharePoint framework. But I don't really talk about it so much on the SharePoint framework specifically on the podcast. And so uh, it was a nice little treat to sit down in episode 166 with uh, Paul Schaefline and um, talk about some of my thoughts on the SharePoint framework. But, you know, I find that I I just don't have enough time to blog as much as I used to uh, in years past. And so I still have a lot of stuff that I want to share. I just don't have time to sit down and always write about it. And so I've actually been playing with the idea of spinning up another podcast, probably a biweekly one that's about 30 minutes long at first, to talk about like the latest stuff going on with the SharePoint developer space. And really it's going to be focused around things that, you know, I'm spending my time on for building different courses for Voitanos. And so it's, I'm trying to decide, you know, I wonder if people will be interested in something like this, like the, um, uh, like a SharePoint developer topics or specifically around whatever courses we're working on for Voitanos. It's not going to be one, I don't know if CJ would even be interested in this. I have to talk to him about it too. But it's something that I'm primarily going to do and try and keep it more of like a newsy show with no sponsors or anything like that, other than just my own business. So what do you think? You think I should do that? You think, is it something you'd be interested in uh, as a SharePoint developer? Uh, Do me a favor, drop me a note and let me know just at Andrew Connell or at MS Cloud Show. Let me know what you think. Is something I've been mulling over. 
Struggling to reproduce problems in your code base? Successful software starts with Raygun. Raygun provides application performance monitoring unlike anything that you've experienced before, offering greater clarity around how your software is performing for your customers than any other APM provider. Easily detect and diagnose issues impacting end users and monitor every part of your stack in one place. It's time to get back to building great software instead of fighting it. Start your journey to better software quality and try Raygun for free at raygun.com today. All right, let's let's talk a little bit about some some news that's been in the space in the in the cloud space. Uh, I don't want to wait too long for some of this stuff to get past. And I, I want to go through the news kind of quick because I've got a really good discussion in our interview that I want to I want to focus on for this for this episode today. There's been a handful of Azure-related news that I wanted to cover. So let me just go ahead and start kicking this off. Again, we have links to all of these things in the show notes. First of all, I've gotten a couple questions about from, from people. What kinds of things can you find in the government cloud? How far in the Microsoft government cloud? How long do things take to get to the government cloud? So when I saw this bit of news here that Logic Apps were recently introduced or added in early April to the U.S. government Virginia region, the government cloud in Virginia, I want to make sure I called that out, make sure I mentioned that so that you guys were aware of that new capability that's there. I also have a handful of things related to containers as well in uh, Azure. Some really good news and some private preview stuff. So some of the good news is that Azure Container Instances, ACI, which is the ability to spin up containers without having to have a, um, a cluster or like a Kubernetes cluster or anything set up ahead of time, Effective on March the 1st, so this year, it's kind of funny because they they say effective March 1st, but the announcement came out in April. Azure Container Instances pricing per virtual CPU per second has been reduced or cut by about 15%, and the pricing per gigabyte of memory per second has been cut by about 70%. So, you know, you can see price reductions anywhere from 35 to 50% with some of these new pricing reductions. Another cool thing about containers, switch over to Azure Kubernetes Service, or AKS. It has now gone generally available in a bunch of additional uh, data centers, specifically in South Central US, in Korea South, and the Korean Central region as well. And then finally, there's a new capability that AKS has added in private preview. It's Azure Policy. With this integration, you're gonna be able to apply at-scale enforcements and safeguards for your AKS clusters in a centralized and consistent manner through Azure Policy. So this is gonna help you so you don't have to manually go through and to set up your different settings and your security configurations that are also prone to human error or policy blocks. This policy is gonna be able, this Azure Policy capability is gonna allow you to block any violations that may happen at runtime. And it's also gonna perform compliance assessment on all your existing clusters for up-to-date visibility across your entire environment. Now, we got a couple of things here that are related to Azure AD that I wanna share. Thankfully, none of this stuff is bad news like we've had to share in the past. But I've got two things here that are specific to Azure AD. So there are some new sign-in options for Microsoft accounts that are coming to Microsoft 365. So when you go to a Microsoft 365 sign-in page for Azure AD, you're going to see a new link show up for that's called, the link will be titled, sign-in options. And this link is gonna be added only when you have sign-in pages that are gonna support Microsoft accounts. So an Azure AD application that supports both Azure AD accounts or work in school and Microsoft accounts. So if your sign-in page for your organization doesn't support sign-in accounts, this change isn't gonna affect you. You can find more about this stuff at the notes in the show notes or in the link that I will post to the show notes on this new announcement. This is going to start rolling out and at to Azure AD organizations in early May 2019. And the rollout is targeted to be complete worldwide by the middle of May 2019. Now, in light of these changes, Microsoft is also making some changes to home realm discovery during the sign-in for Office 365 services. So during sign-in, Azure AD determines where a user needs to authenticate. So Azure AD is going to make an intelligent decision by reading the organizations and user settings from the username that's entered into the sign-in page. This is a step towards a password-free environment that enables additional credentials like FIDO2 and these really cool like security keys that CJ and I are giving away. I'm not going to give one away this week. I'm going to wait for him to come back so he can be involved in that. 
This change is initially targeted for managed domains and begins rolling out in May 29, but it's not going to start rolling out to federated domains until the end of calendar year 2019. And the specific rollout dates is going to really depend on customer feedback. So if you got any opinions on this, you really want to go through and supply your own feedback there. In addition to the traditional home realm discovery, an Azure AD user could also mistype their username, but would still arrive at their organization's credential collection screen. And this is going to occur when the user correctly provides the organization's domain name. But this behavior does not allow the granularity to customize experiences for an individual user. So this new sign-in behavior is going to check to see if the username that's entered on the sign-in page exists for the specified domain, or it's going to redirect the user to provide their credentials. The changes are also going to include mechanisms that help mitigate the abuse of large-scale username enumeration and smarter, more relevant error messages. So there's a link in the show notes that will point to the announcement, and that announcement also has details for how you can see more details on this capability and this feature. All right, so now let's transition over to the meat of the show. Let's focus on what our interview is going to be about. But first, Let me make sure we give a nice little call out to one of our sponsors. Hey, we all know that sometimes shift happens. That's why this spring, the inaugural Shift Happens Conference will be coming to Washington, D.C. on June 12th and 13th. Hear from industry heavy hitters, change agents, and innovators as they share digital transformation wisdom. With keynotes from Microsoft's Jeff Teeper and Tony Towns Whitley and analyst insights from Constellation and Forrester Research, this event is not to be missed. Over two days, find out how to get the most out of your Microsoft Office 365 and SharePoint investments and hear about the success and failures firsthand from some of the largest and most regulated organizations. For more information, visit www.shifthappenscon.com and use the discount code CLOUDSHOW for 25% off registration for both single and group discounts. All right, so today's episode is all about something called Microsoft's Graph Data Connect. So what is this? Well, we're going to get into this in the episode. But before we do that, let me just kind of give you my thoughts on this. So Microsoft has given us a way with the Microsoft Graph to do some really cool stuff, to really give us the ability to do things like get data on a specific user or on their mailbox and stuff. But what if I want to use this data to do large amount or use this kind of API to do a lot of stuff like analytics across all mail or calendar items in my organization? That's been hard. So last summer, in the summer of 2018, uh, Microsoft shared with me a little bit of of what they were working on. And I worked with the Graph Data Connect team to create a training module on this topic. It's a really cool thing. It's it's actually a really simple technology from the point of the consumer or the point of view of the consumer. Behind the scenes, they've done a lot of work to facilitate this and make this possible. And I really like the fact that as you hear during the interview, we talk about how you're going to leverage existing Azure resources to really facilitate a lot of this stuff. So there's not a whole lot of stuff that you're going to have to do to in order to get data out. One thing that I do want you to keep note of, because I see people get really confused by this, is that the only thing that Graph Data Connect is doing is it's just making it easier for you to get data at scale out of Office 365 and put it into a storage repository inside of the your associated Azure subscription. Now, why is that? Why do I make that distinction? Because when you see this talked about a lot, people are like, "Well, what can I do with the data?" And you know, how can I build an application? It's just data. You can do whatever you want with it once it's in that Azure subscription. There are limitations that are in place so that you can only export data from your Office 365 tenant to an associated or the associated Azure tenant. And the reason for that is primarily for security and for the assurances that Microsoft can provide. Of course, you can do whatever you want with that data once it's been exported to your Azure subscription. You can put it wherever you want and do whatever you want with it. So to learn more about this, I invited Tyler from Microsoft to talk about this. So Tyler Linick is a program manager at Microsoft that works on the Microsoft Graph and specifically Graph Data Connect, which is going to enable Office 365 organizations to have bulk access to their data while keeping data privacy and governance at the forefront. He's passionate about the platform's growth from both adding new features to assisting partners in their ability to leverage it and do and achieve more. 
You can learn more about this. I've got Tyler's contact information. It's going to be listed in the show notes on how you can uh, get in touch with him and learn more about uh, Graph Data Connect with some of the links that we talked about during the show. But for now, let's go ahead and let's dive into the interview. I am sitting here with Tyler today from Microsoft. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm very excited to, to be here with you today. Uh, excited to talk about something new from the Microsoft side. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we've tried to get together to do this a couple of times and schedules and vacations and of course conferences and those darn jobs that we have kind of keep us from getting together and doing this. But this is something that I know you and I have worked together on this a little bit in the past. I guess you've worked on it a heck of a lot more than I have. But uh, we definitely want to sit down. We want to talk about it. It's, this is a really cool feature or capability from uh, Microsoft and specifically from the graph team that people can take advantage of. So I want to kind of make the, make our listeners aware of this and kind of explain what this is. So I guess before we dive too much into this, I'm going to give you a chance to just kind of introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about finding out who is this new person that's on the show that they don't get a chance to, to get to hear that often. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. I'm, uh, uh, thanks for having me here. My name is uh, Tyler Lenig. I'm a uh, program manager at Microsoft. Uh, I work on the Microsoft Graph team. I've been focusing recently on a, on a new way to interact with, with data through Microsoft Graph, uh, which I'm excited to talk to you guys more about as a part of this discussion this discussion today. So thanks for having me. It's, it's exciting to be here. Like you said, we've tried to make this work a couple times. There's, there are jobs and stuff that get in the road, but this is long overdue. So really, really excited to be able to talk about this today. Absolutely. Yeah. So today what we wanted to sit down and talk to you about was something called uh, Graph Data Connect. And you know, I know that you know, today, if people want to be able to get data out of Microsoft using the Microsoft Graph, so things that are going to be information about them or their organizations that's in Office 365, some stuff that is, I guess, people-driven that's inside um, Azure, so like in the Azure Active Directory stuff, some consumer stuff. The Microsoft Graph API is a great way to get access to this, but it's also very transactional. And you know, I know this new thing, Graph, the Azure, or sorry, Graph Data Connect, it's a new way to get data out of the Microsoft Graph. So why don't you kind of explain our listeners from a high level, like, you know, what is it and kind of what role or why do we need something like this and what role does it serve? Sure, absolutely. And uh, I really like how you use the word transactional there. That's a really key word to kind of use as a, as a graph piece of this and how it relates to Graph Data Connect. But like you said, the graph is a, uh, is a really robust system of APIs or a set of APIs that you can utilize to get access to lots of different types of uh, Microsoft 365 data, whether it be email messages or calendar events or AD user information, sometimes even consumer information, that type of stuff is available through the graph. But it's really only available in a transactional sort of nature. So essentially, you, as a user, your application obtains a token to use on behalf of a user. Uh, your application reaches out to the graph with that token for that user. You get some data back. You do something in your application with that data, and you work in this back and forth transactional nature with the, with the set of APIs. This works really well for some types of applications, but for applications that need to build, say, uh, intelligent applications or insightful applications or even analytics type of scenarios, uh, you really want to get access to all of the data in bulk, if you will, or get access to the data as easily as possible in a kind of a streamlined uh, ETL type of fashion. What our platform aims to provide is exactly that. That's what Graph Data Connect was built for, is to have uh, bulk access to the data that you see in the graph uh, in the same format that you see in the graph, uh, really with a, kind of a one-click, very easy experience to move that data from the office organization over into Microsoft Azure to build these types of insightful, intelligent analytics types of scenarios. So this is more when you're saying like, you know, building applications and being able to work with data kind of more at scale. I mean, I guess, so today, just to kind of make sure I understand this, today if I want to go, you know, get information about my mail, get emails out of my mailbox or my contacts, then that's pretty straightforward. I go to the graph, I authenticate, uh, create an application that's going to authenticate I'm going to authenticate with it, give it delegated access to be able to access my mailbox and say, go give me all my emails and it gives me my mail. But if I wanted to access other people who had given me permission to be able to see their mail or I had an app that could do that, that's going to be a separate authentication token. That's going to be a separate having to go access different round trips of the graph to get the data for each individual person. So what you're saying is that with, with Data Connect, what this allows me to do to say, you know, if I'm going to build something that's going to do analytics based on all the email that's sent within my organization, or I guess that's kind of a privacy thing, so people might freak out about that. But I mean, technically we could, but let's say if I wanted to look at 
all of the events across the calendar for a subset of people within my organization or maybe my entire organization to do things like, you know, when is the most popular time for meetings? When uh, certain times a year are certain buildings within our, our corporate campus more popular than other ones? To be able to do that kind of stuff with Microsoft Graph, there's a boatload of round trips I'd have to do. But with Data Connect, I could basically just dump that data down in one fell swoop and say, now I can start slicing and dicing this data and it's more kind of like a blob format instead of having to go deal with like, having to go like with a RESTful service iterating over and sure. over and over. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's a lot of those key, uh, key aspects that you're describing is really what we, what we aim to provide as a part of Graph Data Connect 2 is really streamlining this experience to having access to that data, that data in bulk. Um, and you mentioned a lot of those impactful types of scenarios, whether it's analytics on a certain set of data in the graph or, or things like um, one of the canonical examples that we have and we like to talk about is a who knows who type of scenario where uh, essentially you can figure out or you can build a graph with the, of the data in your organization to figure out who is talking to other users at the organization to help folks find someone to talk to that to, or someone to introduce to another individual to kind of fortify relationships across the organization. But capacity planning, like you mentioned, is a huge thing uh, as well here. And uh, the privacy aspects are really key, are really key as well, not only from a, a usability or, or kind of improvement to the experience perspective from a, for a customer, not having to require every customer to provide a token or authenticate against an application to get this information through from a developer standpoint. You don't have to obtain that authorization from every single user in the tenant, um, but also from the customer's perspective. Uh, what we're trying to do there as well is essentially before any data is moved into the application, the customer's data controller, the Office 365 administrator in our case, uh, has to provide explicit approval of that uh, data movement into the application and they have full control over before the data is being moved and they can deny that access at that particular point or if they at some point want to actually revoke access to that particular application they can do so as well and all the details about the application are are included essentially in that approval request too things like what data is being moved which users are the are being accessed as a part of this particular data movement and where the data is actually going as a part of the application as well are things that we provide as uh, aspects for the approver uh, to use and reason over before they decide to make a, make a decision. All right, there's a lot to unpack there. You talked about the privacy thing. I definitely want to spend some time there with it, but let's talk a little bit for a good 50% of our listeners are developers, good 50% are administrators. So not so much on the end user side, although sure, I sure. Guess for those that are listening, they're end users, we still want you to stay tuned in. One thing that I find that always helps like, people to understand, kind of like to visualize what their this whole experience here is, let's kind of walk through like, what the experience would be like to get access to the data and what that looks like as a story. And then we're going to come back to the privacy things. I know, like what you said, you guys, there's a lot of stuff there that you guys have done to secure things to make sure that this is not a, a really easy way to hack an organization, stuff like that. But so I guess starting from the get-go, let's say that I want to get access to the data inside of my organization. I've been, you know, I've gotten the the management approval and everything says that, yes, Andrew, you can you're going to get access to all of, let's just choose calendar just, just for the sake of argument. You can get access to all the calendar information for all of our employees and you have the rights to do that. So you're going to be the, our Office 365 administrator. And so what does the story look like today? Is there a site that I go to that I just click export, you checkbox, checkbox, export, or do I have to build, like with Microsoft Graph, do I have to go build an application to go talk to some REST API to go pull data out? Or you know, what is that process of trying to get to that data and to create that initial request that, that's going to go to you that's going to say, yes, Andrew's making this request, is it okay? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic question too because this, uh, this data access paradigm is, is a little bit different than what you would see as a traditional graph developer. What we do leverage here is a, is a, uh, is a resource in Azure called Azure Data Factory, which essentially is an orchestration type of resource which allows uh, data to be moved from one location to another. And uh, what we've enabled as a part of Graph Data Connect is a new connector in Azure Data Factory called the Office 365 connector, which essentially allows you to describe the set of users and the data you want to extract and essentially kick off that particular pipeline to begin extraction of data upon approval. So, okay, so I'm going to go into Azure Data Factory. I would then create a new pipeline 
in that pipeline, which for those of you who aren't familiar with Data Factory, think about it as kind of like SSIS uh, we used to have in SQL. It's a way to just to move data from one place to another one. And then along the way, you can do a ton of stuff to it. I want to be able to set up you know, two things. I want to set up where's the data coming from and where is it going to go? So on the, where it's coming from, that's where I'm going to choose the Office 365 connector. And then to slice and to, to pick apart the connector, I would say things like, I want calendar information that's going to this tenant and here's the credentials you're going to use to access it. But then I can go a little bit more fine-grained and say, I only need these specific properties on a calendar object. I don't need everything. So if I was getting people's mail, I could say, I just need the, the header information. I don't need the subject. I don't need the body. I just need the heuristics about the email itself. I could get to that kind of level. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And that's a really key part of our platform, too, is essentially granular property selection on the data type that you're looking to have access to. You can essentially scope down your request to only access properties of the data type that your application needs access to, which really helps simplify your development experience. Essentially, having to sift through other types of properties is something you likely do not want to do. It adds complexity, as well as not having access to that, those pieces of data makes it easier for you from a data kind of control and management perspective, too. Those are absolutely key parts of our platform as well as the ability to select the type of data and the, the actual properties on the, on the data that you want to have access to as well. Okay, now that I've gone through and I've created this source of where the data is going to be coming from, then I'm going to define a place of, you know, in the pipeline before I run this, I'm going to say, where do I want it to go? So I'm assuming that because it's Azure Data Factory, that's going to be some other kind of an Azure data source. So what could, that could be a blob, maybe... Sure, sure. It can be a, essentially we support three initial um, destinations for the data as part of our connector today. Those items are blob storage in Azure, as well as Azure Data Lake Storage Gen 1, and the new Azure Data Lake Storage Gen 2, which was uh, recently announced uh, in, in, as general availability, as well as another storage mechanism we, we offer as a, as a location for the data to arrive as a first destination storage location. The okay. cool thing about Data Factory, as well as many of you might be thinking, hey, how do I move this into a SQL DB or how do I move this into another type of storage mechanism that I want to, to leverage here as well? Azure Data Factory allows that to happen too. You can simply copy the result of our connector, the result of that data result uh, in that particular location, use Azure Data Factory functionality to move that over to, say, a SQL database or a SQL data warehouse or uh, any other types of uh, uh, storage mechanisms that uh, that the Azure Data Factory functionality provides as well. Okay, so that's just so that so then the sync then is really just for me to get the data out of of Office three sixty five Microsoft Graph, then get it into some other source like a blob or inside the um, the data lake storage, and then from there, then I can do whatever I want with it. Then I can keep slicing, moving it along to SQL. I can move it into anything else that I I really need to be able to access to, but. The key thing here that, you know, to make sure that, that I want the listeners to make sure to sure, make sure, sure. find here is that whether you're doing this, it, whether I'm doing this inside my own organization or I've built something that I'm going to give my users to do, you only, if I'm correct, you guys only will export data from Office 365 tenant and then put it inside of an Azure subscription that's associated with that Office 365 tenant. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Yeah, that's a very key tenant and key value that our platform provides as well, is that essentially to ensure that data is only being accessed by the same the same tenancy, a tenancy that ties an Azure subscription to the Office 365 organization, uh, it's only possible to move data through Graph Data Connect from an Office 365 organization to an Azure subscription that both reside within the same Azure Active Directory Tenancy. So, like like you said, essentially, if you're doing something in your own in your own environment and you're just setting up a an Azure Data Factory pipeline to move data through, you can only access data for your organization. Say you template or you put all these uh, you describe these resources and give an application to your customer, uh, they can only access data that's in their particular organization to push through the Data Connect pipeline. That's a nice security or privacy thing that, that customers can be can rest assured that the data is always staying inside of their arms. It's always staying inside like the Microsoft cloud. I would assume that, you know, once it's yeah. inside like data lake or it's inside of a storage blob or whatever, I mean, then I could do whatever I wanted. I could build any kind of an app. I could export the data somewhere else if I wanted to, to some other cloud, if I wanted to, or some other Azure subscription. But like your terms of service are that we will just export from Office 365 into Azure that are in the same subscription or the same That's account. Right. Once after that, you guys can do whatever you want with it, but we're at least going to have that nice kind of 
we're going to secure it from this level. And then you have to explicitly go move it outside of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the, uh, the important thing there is too, is, uh, like you said, all of those pieces are possible. It's possible to move data to other locations within Azure to use compute that Azure provides on top of that data to generate your insight, to export it to an additional, additional area. We, uh, we provide aspects for you as the developer to describe what your application is doing. You can provide a privacy policy and kind of a terms of service sort of, sort of collateral that you can provide over to the to your customer when they're approving their request so they know exactly what your application is doing uh, and have that have that confidence to be able to download your application they have that as a as a uh, piece of collateral at their disposal to to be aware of too but that's yep essentially our functionality our terms of service our guarantee here is uh, ensuring that data move through data connect starts in office 365 ends in the same azure subscription uh, that's tied to that azure ad tenancy and then the application can utilize it from there. Cool. And so, all right, so we've got our, our pipeline defined here. Now, so then the process is, I guess that when I then go into Data Factory, I've defined where the data is coming from, where it's going to, what kind of data I want, how much of the, you know, the characteristics of that data do I want to have pulled along. Then when I go through and I, and I, I execute the pipeline to run, is that when the request goes to you as the 365 administrator to say, Andrew's trying to get access to this data, the pipelines just kind of kind of sit there until you go in and say, yes, it's okay for this to happen? Absolutely, yeah. So that's essentially, that's exactly what, uh, what would happen on our side too, is that you as a developer would finish your, uh, finish your crafting of that particular pipeline and you say, hey, I'm ready to go. And you, uh, it's a very easy one-click run experience in, in Azure Data Factory. Uh, and at that point, that request is sent over to our system, our Graph Data Connect system. And then we uh, integrate with a, a piece of functionality in, in Office 365 called Privileged Access Management that enables the ability for me, in, this, in our example, to continue your example, Andrew, the Office 365 administrator to understand that a new request has arrived in their, in their uh, organization for Graph Data Connect. Uh, and that they're waiting an approval from from them or a delegate to decide if that's a, that's okay to do or not. Okay, and it's I guess it just dawned on me too that I'm I'm using you as our 365 administrator. Let's make sure our listeners don't get confused that I know you are in the real world. You are Microsoft, sure. so it's not like we're having to ask Microsoft to give us access to our data. You're, we're asking the tenant administrator to get access. So all of this could happen inside my own organization. It's not like I'm, I'm asking, I'm not asking Tyler, the Microsoft employee, I'm asking Tyler, the Office 365 admin for my organization. Yes, I need to make sure, particularly the hats I'm wearing at different times too, to make sure that's clear as well. But that's absolutely, absolutely correct. And the really key part of that is that as the data owner, the data controller, the customer is that is that particular person. So essentially, all of that is possible within their within their tenancy. They're, they're, uh, it is their data. They decide what they want to do with it and where and what uh, processing can happen on okay. that particular data. Cool. So now, once the data is living over, now once I have all this data sitting over inside of inside of Azure now that I've sure. exported using Data Connect is. I guess what kinds of things, and we talked a little bit about it, but what kinds of things can I do with this? What, what are you seeing people do with this right now? Because if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, Graph Data Connect today is still in a preview state. That's it's right. Not, okay. That's right. Essentially, yeah, we are still in a, we are in a, a public preview state for Graph Data Connect right now. So we have uh, lots of companies trying it out, kind of playing around with the functionality that our pipeline, our, our platform provides, and also starting to uh, put together uh, their application or realize their scenarios based on the platform that we have. From a scenario standpoint, this is really about unlocking a variety of different of different scenarios for folks to use. It's a wide breadth. It can be anything from machine learning, even AI type of scenarios, to even uh, to analytics types of scenarios. Some of the canonical things that I like to mention when we talk about scenarios are, we mentioned the who knows who type of scenario where you can uh, pull communication information through Graph Data Connect out into Azure uh, and use a graph uh, representation of that data, say Cosmos DB or, or otherwise, to build a communication graph of uh, people talking to other people within the organization uh, and then stand up a, a front end on that and that allow people to query that graph. And uh, that graph can even be extended to things like topics. So essentially, you can look up, try to find someone who knows something about, say, Graph Data Connect within your organization um, and try to find that information uh, as a part of this particular flow, too. One of the more nuanced scenarios that we uh, that's also pretty interesting, especially in this day and age, is uh, determining the effectiveness of diversity and inclusion training 
in lots of organizations today, people are trying to uh, encourage diversity and inclusion across the organization. Um, there's lots of trainings and lots of uh, resources being applied to that area, but it's, sometimes it's hard to understand which trainings are most effective or if the trainings are having a, a tangible effect within the organization. And what you can do with Graph Data Connect is actually take a kind of a before and after sort of picture of the, of the situation where you're analyzing collaboration and communication signals using Graph Data Connect before the training occurs and then pull that information afterwards as well and see if there's a more inclusive or more uh, diverse types of communications occurring using things like, uh, say, Azure Cognitive Services or other pieces of information like that to understand if that training is really effective as a part of the change to your organization to become more diverse and inclusive. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I guess you can just go, we really just go crazy with this now too. I mean, with all the machine learning stuff that Azure provides and then just anything that you can imagine. I mean, it really being able to work with the data in Office 365 at a large scale instead of having to work, work on a more of a line-by-line line kind of record thing. This is almost like getting a database extract instead of just saying getting record-by-record-by-record record record and being able to analyze things really yeah. opens up a whole lot of new scenarios for people. Yeah, absolutely. I really love how you put that as well as that uh, essentially that, that uh, kind of database sort of extraction or that data set sort of extraction is the way we're trying to describe having access to this, uh, this data through Graph Data Connect to And like you said, there was, I touched on a few small scenarios there, but there's a full wide breadth of scenarios that folks are, folks are looking into and, and looking to uh, utilize as a part of Graph Data Connect to And it's uh, really uh, important that we integrate with something like Azure Data Factory because they uh, give us the connector that allows office data to show up into Azure, but they have over 80 plus other connectors for other data sources, whether it be other data types in Azure or even things uh, from other clouds that could be provided over into Azure too, that you can really merge these data sets together, use things like Azure Cognitive Services, which we mentioned, Azure Machine Learning, things like that on top of this data to develop a really uh, a really cool, insightful type of application too. So the possibilities really are endless, if you will, with something like this too, which is which is really, really cool. Yeah, this is neat. I mean, it's I, when you can just think about, you know, have your mind run wild with this. I've seen one one demo of somebody using uh, the data that came out of this, how to slice and dice people that were talking to each other within their organization and seeing like you and I both know, and he's a small business and he's got, it's a lot of like, you know, guys using their family as and on their corporate email and stuff. And so being able to look at somebody and seeing who he talks to and you can see like, oh, I can see this email, you know, this person's talking to this person and this person talks to these other people. And you see like these, these clusters of how people kind of talk to each other, but then how there are these linkages between each other and, how to visualize it and stuff. And it's, I mean, it's the, that's the Power BI side that's way over my head, but sure. <laughs> uh, pretty cool being able to see this kind of like a, a communication graph and a network, seeing how people interact with each, each other. It's really neat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that hub of hub of communication, if you will, and seeing those things, because you know those insights are in the data. It's just hard to visualize sometimes or get that data out and actually extract that type of insight from it. And that's really what Data Connect is all about too, is enabling the ability to very easily have access to this data in a in a secure fashion uh, and allow that allow that data allow you guys to use a lot of developers to use that data to develop key insights to really allow individuals and organizations to do and achieve and achieve more so it's exciting stuff absolutely well i've got i'm going to put a couple notes here uh, in the or links in the show notes i've got a couple things we have we got the the link to graph data connect on the graph documentation I'll uh, have that listed in there. We have a training module. That's the thing that I worked with you guys on is, is kind of a step-by-step hands-on lab walking through this that people can take a look at building their first pipeline, pulling data out of their out of their own Office 365 subscription or even using a demo tenant as well. And then uh, I, we'll put some other links in there too from different sessions and, and conferences from, I know it was discussed a little bit at the Ignite conference last year in 2018 down in Orlando. So we'll have some links to that as well. Is there anything else that, that you wanted to let our listeners know about related to Graph Data Connect before we kind of move on to another a fun part of the show? Sure, sure. This has uh, been no, fun. Don't get me wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. Don't worry. No worries. No worries. Yes, I had a great time. I don't know. This is, yeah, this was, it's exciting to talk about this stuff, but there's, uh, uh, in terms of other things to add there, uh, not much that I can think of off the top of my head right now. We'll definitely have discussions on this as we approach different conferences, uh, build and such. So please, if you're attending those conferences, keep a lookout for Graph Data Connect. We'll be talking about that more then as well. Um, please take a look at the, the links that uh, are provided too. There's lots of functionality and features that we uh, are, are have added or haven't, didn't talk about specifically in this particular session that are, that are likely uh, interesting to you folks as well in that, uh, 
that lab that Andrew has put together for us is, has been invaluable. Um, I've had tons of people come to us and try that lab out and said how awesome it is. So please give that one a go. We promise you it'll, it'll allow you to really create a, your first graph data connect pipeline in a, in a, in a short order too. So I uh, just really appreciate having me on and talk about this though too. As you can see, I'm excited about this. We're excited about this as a company too. So really excited to see what, uh, what everybody can build with this type of functionality. It's cool. This is one of those things where you see like it's an enabling technology. You put it out there and you, you know what the power is that you can do, but then you talk to somebody that is like they've had this idea in their head and they haven't been able to really act on it because they've been, the tools that are available to them just have either made it too hard or too cumbersome or really just haven't been there for them to be able to do it. And then to see like something like this come along and this can kind of open it up. It's, it's, I'll never forget the Microsoft commercial. It was, I think it came out on like Thanksgiving Day many years ago about. Xbox Connect. And it was, here's all the things that we were thinking about, but the coolest things we saw were the things that people came up with that we weren't thinking about. And it showed all these different scenarios they were doing. It's like, this is one of those things. It's like to see what it enables people to do is what's going to be fun. Absolutely. Yes, we will definitely have to have you back. I mean, I know that the, the build conference is around the corner and Ignite will be coming up later this year. So we'll definitely have to bring you back for going to a GA announcement when that ultimately happens and, sure. and features and stuff like that to get, get everybody caught up to speed here. So. Absolutely, absolutely. I'd love to come back. That'll be an opportunity to see. Just like you said, I mean, uh, uh, developing a uh, feature as a as a as a program manager at Microsoft is rewarding. But doing something like a platform, like we're talking about here, which lets you give the possibility of enabling lots of different things to to our developer community, is really something something special here too. So, definitely, uh, I've been saying excited a lot. I think if you count the number of times I've said excited, you'll probably <laughs> you'll probably have a lot of times that I've said excited. But uh, it really is exciting. It's cool. <laughs> Excited to be back for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you a bit of a heads up that we were going to do this, but we do this um, this fun little segment that we do on our show. We call them picks, and the sure. idea is to something that's fun or interesting, either that you're a book you're reading, a movie you saw, show you're watching, just or some some geeky kind of a thing. Anything that we can give a link to someone where they can go and follow up on it. So mine's not going to be all that like I guess sexy or exciting this week, <laughs> but. I know I'd love to hear if you've got one for us, if you want to share one with our listeners. Sure, sure. I'm happy to do so. And my, uh, uh, essentially, my, my pick for this particular, this particular exchange is um, I'm a huge sports fan, actually. I'm a huge college basketball fan. And I'm sure lots of you know that this is really uh, a really exciting time in the college basketball world. It's the March Madness sort of year. It's the Final Four. It's the, the national championship of the college basketball uh, season. My alma mater was actually the University of Virginia. Uh, who is actually in the Final Four this year. And it hasn't happened since 1984, so they haven't been there in over, what is that, at least 20, 30 years or so almost at this point. I'm very excited to see them as a part of this uh, this year's Final Four. And I'm actually, uh, my pick for this one has been just the, the coach for UVA. His name is Tony Bennett. He really exemplifies a lot of class and grace with regards to how he handles his team and how he handles adversity. Uh, UVA's had a lot of challenges from a basketball perspective uh, last year. Last year, we had a, a pretty tough tournament, and this year, they've been able to turn around and really have a lot of success. It's really cool to see Tony and his father. Dick Bennett is also another, was a basketball coach as well. The the, the pick I have is a, is a description of how, when Tony won, how he was so uh, thankful to his father and how him and his father have such a close relationship with regards to these games. And just how they handle themselves and how they handle their profession and their passions is really something that's been especially interesting to me over the last the last couple of weeks too. So I'm excited to share that with you guys as well. He's a he's certainly a role model from my perspective too, and I'm excited to keep cheering on the the, the Cavaliers as we are in the Final Four and beyond. So exciting stuff. That's awesome. I know I know that the show we're we're not going to be able to publish the show for probably another like two weeks. So. I know by the time the show comes out, we'll know what the, the final result is of the, the NCAA championship. But at the time of recording, the, the final four is set, but we haven't hasn't been played yet. Yeah. I, this is great. My cousin's going to love this. He listens to the show, and um, he's a UVA grad. Has been, awesome. I've been watching them, him and his son like, go crazy on Facebook. And yeah, it's, uh, this is cool. When you said that, I was like, oh, this is perfect timing right now. <laughs> Exactly. So you'll know in a couple of weeks if I'm a very happy man or if I'm a little bit sadder. But at this point, we're we're just very excited. I think I think Tony's story and Tony's dad and, his, and himself that that kind of relationship is something that uh, is just important to kind of look at too. He's it's it's really cool to see how he's handled the team and stuff like that too. But we're we are we are ready for a Final Four. I can I'm actually going to go and attend a Final Four here in a couple of days too. So I'm really looking forward to that too. So should be fun. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we it, we uh, I just got back from was it. 
earlier this week, no, when, when was this? Late last week, I was in Las Vegas for the first weekend of March Madness. Okay. And I was there not for March Madness. I was there for work, but it's always fun. It's a crazy place to be there for the first weekend. Even even games that are 15, 20 point swings and seeing somebody hit a three as the buzzer goes out. It's like the game was decided 20 minutes ago, but yes. not the line. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's fascinating uh, to see how close the line is always to those types of things too. They have a, they have a special gift there too, but that's my favorite time of year from a sports standpoint too. There's, it, it definitely is madness as we go into this type of stuff too. So it'll be exciting to see the finish, uh, of course, too. Awesome. Well, you know what? I'm going to pull an audible on my, on my pick minute. I'm going to switch mine out. <laughs> I was going to do a book that I just finished reading, but I think I'm going to do a different, I'm going to do a different book that I read a while back. And it goes along with a little bit of, of March Madness, but also goes along with just like it's the stuff I was just talking about a second ago. Uh, funny. And uh, a, a writer or an author uh, who he got hooked up with. Let me take a step back here. So smart money when it comes to sports gambling is I used to be big into like betting on on basketball and football and stuff. I don't do that anymore, sure. but sure. Uh, I just love the stats part of it. And yeah. The idea with smart money is that, like, let's say with the NFL, games are on Sundays, mostly on Sundays. And so when the games wrap up on Sundays, the previous Sunday, that night is when the first lines come out for the next, the next week. For those of you who aren't familiar with this stuff, it just means that if a line is like a minus three, it just means that one team is favored by three points. So if you bet for one team, then they have to win by more than three points for you to win the bet. If you okay. bet on the other team, then they can lose by as little as three points, and it's either a push or you basically add three points to their score at the end of the game and then decide if you won your bet. So the way smart money works is it's a term that's referred to as there are these people that are like these really, they've got the access to all this data. They got access to really sophisticated analytical systems. They determine like what they think the line should be. And so when lines come out on Sunday nights, they look at what they think they should be and what the real thing is. And if there's a discrepancy of like one or two points, they see that as an opportunity. And so that they rush in and they spend they, and they bet a ton of money. Well, the point of this book is called Smart Money. It was an author who got hooked up with one of the smart money guys who has since been banned from the casinos in Las Vegas and the sports books. Sure. And the guy that was banned taught the author how the whole thing works, turned him into being a runner for him. So he had like a bag of a bag of cash that he'd go in or a suitcase of cash he'd go to Vegas with. And he would be given a, a phone call. He's like, go do, go make a bet on this. And the, uh, he'd go in and make the bet. And in exchange, he was allowed to write about his whole, the whole story and the, the learning, the process and everything. And it was just, it was fascinating to see the behind the scenes of this world. So there's a little bit of March Madness stuff that's in there as well. Yeah, it's not yeah. as, not as pure to the sport as your as your pick is. Hey, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> that's always good too. I was just thinking with that one too. Not only does the book sound fascinating to me, but also, I mean, uh, Virginia wasn't expected to make it necessarily this far. We we were pretty good this year. I mean, but we had our we've had our challenges in the tournament before, so it made me think. I wonder what the line was a couple, or the, what the probability was a couple at the beginning of March Madness too. I should have gotten in on it when I could have uh, at the beginning of March, but at this point, uh, just happy to see it there. But that book sounds fascinating too. You said Smart Money, I think, is what Smart it was. Point. Yeah, it's called Smart Money. I'll make sure that you get the link, but I won't make you wait for the uh, the, sh the show to come out. But sure. I'll definitely pull it up. But yeah, it's called Smart Money. It's like a blue kind of cover to it, and it's absolutely fascinating. It's one yeah, of, you can't put it down. It's a, it's a quick read. Cool. That sounds good. I have I have a flight coming up, of course, to Minneapolis. So you know, I need some need some things to do. That sounds like a good a good use of my time as well. So it, that's exciting stuff. Awesome. Hey, Tyler, thanks a lot for joining us today and, and talking about Graph Data Connect. Um, really looking forward to, for our listeners. If you want to hear more about this, let us know. We get Tyler back on. We could do a lot more, go into a lot more depth on this and different scenarios and stuff. But Tyler, we'd definitely like to have you back uh, when you guys go GA and, and any new releases and stuff or any new updates that you have around Gra uh, Graph Data Connect. Sure, absolutely. I'd love to come back. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's been a great time here today too. And in those links and stuff, there'll be ways to reach out and provide feedback about Graph Data Connect or if you have questions when you're trying it out. Andrew's an expert on this stuff too. He knows lots about these things. Feel free to reach out to us. We're definitely willing to help. And uh Really looking forward to what you guys can build with Graph Data Connect and looking forward to coming back at some point too. Sounds great. Awesome. Well, we'll do, man. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for having me. ACs Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. CJ's Hyperfish automates the collection of user profile information from users in organizational directories such as Office 365, SharePoint, Active Directory, and HR systems. The secure service supports on-premises, hybrid, and online environments. 
bring your directory to life at hyperfish.com. All right, so that was my interview with Tyler from Microsoft on Graph Data Connect. What did you think? Do you think this is a cool technology? Think you can use it? It's not for everybody. It's not a replacement to the graph. It really is enabling specific scenarios when you want to work with lots of data and not with a more transactional state of the data that's coming from Office 365 that you uh, retrieve using the Graph Data Connect. You know, one thing that was a little bit of a downside, I sat down with Tyler a couple of weeks ago to, to record this interview, and we didn't, we didn't know exactly when it was going to be published. And actually, we, CJ and I didn't know at the time that we were going to have to take a week off. So as you heard from his pick that he posted, it was prior to the uh, NCAA March Madness or final, or actually prior to the Final Four weekend and the championship game for the college basketball national championships. He shared a link about uh, his uh, the news story from uh, University of Virginia, and if you couldn't tell, he was actually you know on that weekend after we recorded the episode, he was heading to uh, the Final Four and the championship game. If Virginia, his uh, his team, both won in the Final Four and advanced to the championship game, and uh, I've talked to him since then. He went to both of them. As uh, those of us uh, who follow college basketball know, Virginia did win in the Final Four, beating Auburn. And then they also won in the national championship game as well. And so um, Tyler's pretty pumped and pretty happy about that. I wish that, that we could have published this episode closer to that event so that the, the link that he shared would be more timely and more applicable. But that's podcasting and, and loving how schedules can sometimes not work. Always in your advantage. So with that, that's episode 299. Next week, CJ will be back. At least, I hope he's back from Italy by then. And uh, we will record and publish episode 300. So until then, thanks a lot, everybody. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in iTunes. Word of mouth recommendations are the most effective ways for us to grow the show, and we'd really appreciate it. If you have a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or an MP3 and provide a link so that we can play your question on the show. Our theme music is brought to you by Keith Ritchie. For more information on Keith's music, head to music.kritchie.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and the Google Play Store by searching for the Microsoft Cloud Show or via RSS at microsoftcloudshow.com, where you'll also find notes of each episode. You can also find us on Facebook, searching for Microsoft Cloud Show, or on Twitter, at MS Cloud Show. And finally, sign up to our mailing list by heading over to our website and entering your email to interact with us, participate in upcoming interviews, and other cool stuff. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.